so this project, the, the Plain Bicycle Project, wouldn't happen without you. So, uh, and it's it's been a real it's ruined my summer, um, for sure. So, um, and, and not just mine, but all the people working on the project. Um, it gets very very difficult to go uh, to the bush for the weekend when you know that you've gotten four emails wondering where the bikes are. Um, but uh, uh, you know, eight or ten people in one summer for 160 people who get to have a great summer for the rest of their lives is really worth it. How would you just give yourself a round of applause for being here? Thank you. That is Anders Swanson of the Plain Bicycle Project. We're back where we began this series, in a cozy park outside of the J.R. Watkins Company building, an ornate red brick warehouse built in 1914 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, a mid-sized Canadian prairie city. Anders is addressing a crowd of people, including myself, who have participated in round two of the Plain Bicycle Project. We prepaid for a second-hand Dutch bicycle from the Netherlands without really knowing if the project would be possible a second time. But a lot of us were buying into more than just getting a bicycle. We were buying into the plan of the Plain Bicycle Project. We want to ride a simple, upright Dutch city bike to perform our daily tasks, like going to the grocery store or going to work, without feeling like it's a fringe activity or something dangerous that we would be doing. I'm Erin Riediger, and this is Plain Bicycle. I'm Leanne Perry. My name is Anders Swanson. Uh, my name is Ian Frank. My name is Torrance Swanson. My name is uh, Herbert Cummins. My name is Melissa Bruntlett. And I'm Chris Bruntlett. I'm Dan Ryle. My name is Jenny Sawatsky, and I'm part of the Plain Bicycle Project. This is not a bike shop. This is a this is a culture bomb. It's a North American-wide problem that cycling is still seen as sport and not transport. Oh, I'm coming to the Netherlands because I want to introduce to import Dutch bicycles. So you've promised them and then you go over and you only have three months to do it and then halfway through you're, you've basically got 2% of the bikes you needed. I've waited and waited for this bike and I am thrilled. I'm thrilled beyond belief. Part 5. Bicycles are for everyone. This is our second time doing this. Um, it's only gotten slightly smoother. Thank you to the people of Utrecht. Uh, because uh, it's the world's most, uh, it's the most bike-friendly city outside of, let's say, India, Japan, and China. It's the one you maybe know about uh, uh, from all kinds of videos on the internet. Have a look. So, but all these, all these bicycles have 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 souls, really, because they've been outside and they've been used by people for uh, most of them at least a decade. Um, some of them more, and you can tell by looking at some of them. Um, so the important stuff. Uh, again, this is not a bike shop. This is a this is a culture bomb. That's what we wanted to do, um, and you're part of it. Um, and part of it is, um, is, is, is essentially getting as many bikes as possible at the same time so that you start to notice them on the street. Um, I, I, I just want to give a shout out all, also to the high percentage of people who bought bikes who are women. Um, the reason I say that, yeah, there you go, yeah, round of applause. Just for being a woman, good job. Or at least having a female first name. I don't know how you identify, but. Uh, if your name Natalie, or, or I, I'm making a couple assumptions there, but my point is, is that in Winnipeg, the current um, bicycle modal split is 70-30 male-female. 
Um, so it's really, I think, inspiring to us. I know it's been inspiring to the organizers to know that uh, it's a part of a bike culture that people can see themselves in, and I realize it has to do with maybe the bike, upright riding position, the fact that it, uh, other people would call it a girl's bike, but it's also the most world's most uh, heavily used and most popular bicycle, no matter what you uh, identify as. Um, but, but that's a really, really special part of the bike, of, of this project. As you, those of you who read in, in detail the plan, which you, you, uh, you'll know that these bicycles are, they're, first of all, they're not brand new. Um, but, so that means that we had to look at them all a lot. Some of them have been actually in canals and brought out. So that's how they end up at the Utrecht Fietspunt. Um, the way that they get to us um, is essentially um, what happens is somebody will go out for a beer one evening, meet somebody, uh, one thing leads to another. Um, she says, "I'm taking the train home. How are you taking? How did you get here?" Well, I took the train too. Um, and then next morning, uh, oh, where is that bicycle? I don't remember. And if it stays there for too long, it can be very difficult to find it, especially in a big sea of bicycles. Um, you might find, you, you might realize that either it's been abandoned or um, uh, somebody has come and picked it up. Um, I've got my bicycle uh, picked up by the bicycle police a couple times living in the Netherlands for putting it in the wrong spot at the train station because I couldn't understand the sign. And I had to go pay 50 euros in order to get the bike back. And for some people, that's not worth the trouble. They'd also go get another bike. So there's a lot of ways that those have ended up, but essentially they've all been um, used, um, in some cases abused by Dutch winds um, and fallen over a lot. Um, and so we had to look at them all. Um, um, it is technically per kilometer 10, kilom 10 times safer to ride a bicycle in the Netherlands than it is here. Um, I want to give one little shout out to the bike itself over on that and just to note that this bicycle is, is made for safe slow biking it's a really is an every person's bicycle in part because it doesn't take a certain high level of skill in order to um, ride it without for example going over the handlebars so um, the person who's been fielding the emails would like me to um, thank everybody yet again for how patient you are um, I know some of, some of you signed up on day one, some of you signed up only a month and a half ago, but um, um, still, uh, thank you uh, again, uh, this is not your normal um, Amazon purchase, so uh, really, really want to thank you for taking a chance on the project. Um, so how about um, everybody one last round of applause for this whole thing. And, um so uh, without further ado, um, how about everybody open their things. Go get your bike and try it out. And again, that's the mechanic table in the middle. Thanks, everybody. Everyone opened the envelope they were handed when they approached the sign-in table over the course of the last hour. In each envelope was a number where they were randomly assigned a Dutch bicycle based on their size, and they needed to find it in the yard. Mechanics from a local bike shop, Natural Cycle, came to help people make adjustments to their new rides. I had the opportunity to talk to some of the new bicycle owners about the bikes they just received. Were you happy when you ended up getting this bike after yeah. the drop? Oh yeah, it's great. Um, we were living abroad last year and I had a really similar style bike. And when I came back and got back on my regular hybrid commuter, it just wasn't quite feeling the same. So when I saw there was an opportunity to get this bike, I jumped on it. We had lived in Utrecht and fell in love with Dutch bikes and so when she came across it we were like oh okay we should definitely get in on that so that's great so you're yeah. very familiar with this type of bike then yeah very familiar I mean it's funny because I yeah we lived in Utrecht for seven months and my bike got stolen twice 
So part of me was thinking, like, it'd be funny if I actually came back here and got my old bike back from when it was stolen in Utrecht in the first place. But I don't think I did, but it's hard to say because they all look kind of the same. And, right. And in yeah. a way, it's kind of going full circle. Even right. It's not exactly. the exact same bike. Yeah. So. And how did you feel when you found the bike that you were randomly assigned? <laughs> uh, it's started. It's just real, right? And I think that's a big part of it, too. And... Uh, we have two little kids at home, so just really excited to go on family walks and family rides now. And uh, we've been waiting for months for this, and it's here. Yeah. So I think tomorrow when we get a little bit of time all together as a family, it's going to be a big day. So Nice. Yeah. Are you going to go for a bike ride? I think we have to. Around the block, That's right? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> After the launch, I asked Torin Swanson to recall how he felt about the experience. Yeah, I, I wasn't even sure how many people were going to show up because I, it was just so busy trying to set up all the stuff. Um, but then I came a little bit late because I was picking up the keg from Little Brown Dragon. But just seeing all the all the smiles and and you know just seeing everyone like so excited for something that they don't know what they're getting, um, but they know they're they're a part of this project like we are. They're the same like we're just helping bring bikes, but those people are actually riding them. One of the things that makes the Plain Bicycle Project special is that it would be hard to duplicate elsewhere. Although it would be amazing to get Dutch bicycles into the hands of people across North America, this project was made possible by the unique personalities of the people involved, their passion for livable cities, their volunteer work ethic, and their ability to pull community together and make long-lasting connections over 6,000 kilometers away from home. Um, there's not just Winnipeg. Like We've had people from five speed people from Saskatchewan this year buy in and drive here to get their bike. Um, we on, on the, on social internet, like our social media, every once in a while, there's, you know, somebody bring this to Vancouver, Toronto, uh, Calgary, all what we've heard from, you know, and, uh, we can't. And, um, uh, eventually even that would tap out the bikes that are available in Utrecht or D any of the Dutch cities. So at some point it's not really like each place needs to create their own. So like, um, you know, it's figuring out how to, how can we, sort of help that happen like if, you know, and ideally shut down the plane bicycle project because everybody's like why do you even have that project um so we need an exit strategy that way um and like you we could do yeah. this for the next 20 years like yeah i mean at the but, scale that but if we were to start doing like you know okay well a shipping container going to every major city in canada every year yeah it, it would probably they, not work. might probably get annoyed yeah. at us at some point yeah but it, it might be that might make that's what's cool about this, though, is mm -hmm. that it's special. like it yeah. could be this special thing in Winnipeg that we have all these a bunch of Dutch bikes that are nowhere else. And you set a precedence, and other people are like, "Oh, okay, then that bike matters, okay?" Because you can make them, and and, and yeah. you can sell the new ones, and 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 also we're creating a market, like. Yeah. Where we're, we're educating the market, they would love to sell yeah. here. If they people are also going, "Oh, this is an option." Yeah. Mm. Right. The Plain Bicycle Project hopes that the influence of the project extends past the bike itself and becomes more about the idea so that more people end up biking for their daily activities and an everyday bike culture becomes less niche, more regular, and unremarkable. I asked Leanne and Anders where they saw the project going after round two. I think what we might get out of this um, second container is a fleet of bikes that we can use a little bit more and I think that uh, we can rent out a fleet and um, start working in Winnipeg with these bikes and get more people on them in uh, different places and, and contexts. And 
I think we'll find, yeah, some doors open up because of that. And we'll find, you know, we've also done a couple tests um, with some new bicycles. So people are buying a couple new bicycles and we'll see how that goes and whether we can do a whole shipment container of new bikes if that's something that people want. Depends because, well, we now have this bit more pretty solid hookup for these used bikes, but I don't know. It's also a little bit inconvenient for them, like to have somebody in their shop working sick. This is how it happened this time. So I don't, I don't even know. We'd have to talk to them if that's possible again or get them from somewhere else. I asked Dan and Jenny if they saw the project happening again, and they expressed interest in bringing back another part of Dutch bicycle culture. I see it definitely happening again. Um, I think that's an interesting point about different types of bicycles, which is something that I know we've been thinking about. So we're before we were talking about replacing um, cars with something, and a lot of people feel that they can't do what they normally do without a car. Um, the answer to that in the Netherlands is, yeah, an Omafeets, but there's something a little bit different and possibly a better replacement for a car, which is a cargo bike. Ian Frank also liked the idea of bringing back some cargo bikes. We, we're, we've been constantly looking at a way to make to bring more cargo bikes in. Um, the challenge with that is we lose a lot of the kind of space efficiency because you can really only fit a few cargo bikes in the same space you can fit a couple hundred uh, Omofeeds in. So that's a big challenge. I think uh, this year has shown us that there's a demand for smaller bikes. We... You know, most of our bikes were kind of average size, but we had a lot of, um, we were really struggling to make sure that shorter people had bikes that fit them. So moving to that would be great. We'd love to uh, be bringing in more kids' bikes, um, especially around, if we're partnering with community organizations or something like that, getting a bunch of kids' bikes into a school program or an after-school program or something like that would be great. Those are harder, right? Because it's it's, you know, the the our our source, our method of getting bikes is uh, there's some law of averages to it where we're picking up from you know an auction lot, so the majority will be what your average size bike, which is generally kind of bigger. But I think we've toyed with a few different ideas around how to kind of diversify the bikes we bring in. Um, and I think we're kind of constantly trying to play with that and figure out, is it bringing in full cargo bikes or are we trying to, can we source frames or, you know, are there other options that might be a bit of a deviation from the current sort of plain bicycle model, but that would still be able to bring in, you know, some other artifact of this Dutch cycling culture that, um, that could sort of, uh, uh, spread. Uh, even if it doesn't quite fit with the same same model that we've been doing. Torin Swanson speaks to how the project may evolve from bringing bikes in and become more localized. Yeah, it's a lot of work and I see it growing a little bit, but like at the same time we can't bring we've all we've all thought about this that we can't we can't keep bringing a shipping container across the ocean. Um that's a little silly when we should try and figure out how to manufacture some bikes here in a way that we're kind of kickstarting this culture bomb. Like that's the whole point was a culture bomb of getting all these bikes on the road, on the road. Hopefully that inspires change. Then people start to want to eventually make something closer to home at that same time. Until that happens, I think we, we want to keep bringing um, 
keep that waiting list, basically. That waiting list is constantly growing. <laughs> uh, I think the night of the launch party, we had six or seven people sign up. Yeah, we want to keep bringing bikes until we find a, a solution here to not have to bring something over the, over the ocean. The hope is that the project can influence the market in a way that the Plain Bicycle Project doesn't need to keep bringing bikes over because the market and supply has been created at home. Like it's already kind of happening where bike shops have started to partner, like Natural Cycle helped us this year. We partnered and did a work trade where they fix bikes in exchange for being able to rent them. It also helps them kind of get a market a little bit going because um, Natural Cycle used to sell Dutch bikes and then it kind of fizzled and they changed their, you know, uh, we went into a more custom bike shop at the time and when I worked there. And so they decided to now try it again. Um, but I've seen the cargo bikes for sale at other bike shops. I've seen them at, um, I haven't quite seen the Dutch bikes per se yet, but what we hope to see is having them pop up at basically every bike shop in Winnipeg. Um, and I've been talking a little bit with a manufacturer uh, about, you know, the logistics of getting them made. Um, like, yeah, and, and if you're listening and you're an investor in this project, yeah. we need you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Open for investment. Yeah, it's, we're open for investment ideas because yeah, it's, we, we think that a lot of people would want to do it. As I discussed the potential impact of the Plain Bicycle Project with the group, we discussed how it could be disruptive to bike culture as we understand it today in North America. Bike culture as we know it is other, and the project is trying to make riding a bicycle normal. So in some ways, it's actually opposite to bike culture and opposes the fast-riding bicycle culture Leanne alluded to in part one of the series. Anders elaborates on how the bike culture as we know it is perceived and how it's actually largely a result of the environment people are given to cycle in. It's not like we don't like the culture that we grew up in for biking like or appreciate it. But the, here's the thing, is that somebody who's traveling at 16 kilometers an hour down Portage or Henderson on a, on a plane bicycle is way more brave than somebody who's kitted out and equipped to do 40 in order to keep up with the cars. And the reason for that is that the cars are only passing them 20 kilometers an hour faster than they are doing, whereas the cars are passing you 45 kilometers an hour if you're tootling along in the way that everybody around the world bikes. So what I mean by that is that, like... Like I used to, and and Leanne rode like that, and courier rides like that, and your average person here rides like that for real good reasons because it feels a lot safer because there's nowhere for you to be, so you have to be a car, and so the closer you can be to a car, the safer you feel. So ironically, the quote people that we say are, think as the most yeah. aggressive and you know like macho, not that those two words are the same thing, but like we actually should, we should probably actually take a step back and realize that actually. Um, they're doing it for their own safety. What it's it's kind of the nature of the thing that you. It's like the nature of being a good boxer, is 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 that you think you're tough, but you also are maybe doing it for your own safety. Like you know what I mean? Like so, like it's similar to that. And like if we um, if we can get to the point where people are asking for the same thing, and I think we are. Like basically, people are asking for the bike infrastructure for sure. But are they asking for the culture? It's tough because like your own culture is fun. Like, yeah, it is. Your um, community is fun. Yeah, your community is fun, and it's been my community too. But I feel like maybe trying to trying to untie and unpack transportation from identity is tough. Although separating culture and identity is difficult, I do believe that if more people can see a person on a bicycle as themselves, rather than an other, or an athlete, 
It will help to spread cycling as an everyday transportation practice. I talked to Dan and Jenny a bit about this phenomenon. Thinking about the word cyclist and person on a bike, I think you'd be much more, the person driving the car would much more see the person on the bike rather than a cyclist and therefore maybe be able to see themselves more doing that. And I know that I've encountered people, I grew up in the suburbs and when I'm visiting my parents, I'll, I'll bike there. And um, I know there was one woman that lived on the street who, who actually, we were, Jenny and I were cycling one day in, in Southdale. <laughs> and um, she was riding a bike and to us, she was just this random woman on a bicycle. And she rode up to us and, and she said to us that we were the reason that she started riding a bike to work. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. That's really, really cool. And that was, yeah, it was this, that kind of thing for her that she normally would drive. She saw us so many times that she decided, oh, yeah, well, I can do that. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also noticed that I, I, I am treated a little bit differently when I'm riding this bicycle than if I was riding on uh, the bike I used to ride on, which is like single speed kind of fast bike with skinny tires um that people might have passed me closer if i did have to ride on the street which i don't like doing um where on this bike i don't know people are much more relaxed they'll treat you nicer you get a lot more smiles um and i don't know but i think that's because maybe people could see themselves doing that and and i guess we do have evidence that that has happened um yeah the other reason is we're wearing our plain clothes like you would normally wear so then it's much more easy uh, it's easier to associate yourself with somebody who looks like they're going to work or just doing their everyday stuff mm-hmm. not wearing anything fancy or expensive Melissa and Chris Brentlett of Modacity have taken an approach to cycling advocacy that moves beyond fighting for the rights of cyclists already using the roads showing images from the Netherlands and talking about the Dutch way of cycling has the potential to open riding a bicycle to an audience broader than the people already on bikes. Uh, up to that point, it was really just about us wanting to help Vancouver Rides see what their city could be with um, better conditions for cycling, and, and that it wasn't just about the people already riding bikes, but about the people that, like us that wanted to ride more and helping people see that through uh to the content that we are creating. Yeah, making basically trying to make Vancouver uh, more equitable. Um, I think now, I don't think we thought of that word when we first started, but that's become sort of over the years, the reason that we do a lot of what we do is to make sure that it's not just cycling for the people that are already doing it, it's cycling for the people that are curious about it or never thought of it or maybe afraid of it and showing them what's possible. Um, I'm trying to think of the most diplomatic way of saying this. <laughs> I think that there are a lot of advocates in North America that have been doing a lot of really great work for the past 20 years have, you know, been fighting and been on the front lines and been the people to push for the change um, because they were then they would ride in anything to show that it was possible. And I do not discount any of the work that they have done and are still doing to make that possible. But I think that if the message is I will ride in anything, and therefore, we just need to make sure that we're providing people with the, the fastest route to get there. This is the point of what they're trying to do to begin with, which is really to make cycling normal and to make it res- make them respected on the street as much as drivers are respected. And the only way that we're going to do that is if we make cycling something that can be done by anyone. 
And that is only going to be achieved if we make it comfortable for grandma and for your four-year-old niece or daughter to be able, or, or nephew even, to be able to cycle. Mm-hmm. And so I think the goal really needs to be, even from those impassioned uh, advocates that have been working tirelessly for decades, it really needs to be focused on making cycling normal and accessible to everyone uh, so that everyone starts to do it. Because I, I don't think that we're going to see the change that we want to see in cities um, outside the Netherlands and outside Copenhagen in terms of increasing the mode share if we don't make cycling not niche anymore. It, people can't feel like they're joining some sort of crusade by getting on a bike every time. They want to just feel like this is just a practical way to get around. The Plain Bicycle Project team agree that the bicycle as an everyday transportation tool has largely been missing from cycling advocacy that we're familiar with. Yeah, and it's been absent, honestly, from all of the bicycle advocacy materials and education that I've seen in the last 10 years. Like, pretty much absent. Like, there's... Like, plain cycling in general, I mean, or... Just, yeah, that message. Like, that that message that really allows you to see yourself in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I still don't know if we're doing that right. I don't know how to... But, like, being able to... What we need is we just need... We need a, we need a commercial on, on, on during the Seneca. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Having that, that simple thing that a lot of people can afford and get on the street with and then getting on the street is really where people start to see um, see themselves on one of these bicycles, see that it isn't just one demographic that's that's cycling on the roads, that's, that's trying to cycle as fast as cars because they're not giving them the space. Um, and then when you're advocating for, for bike lanes, you have this constant backlash of, well, nobody bikes, nobody's biking. Well, our roads aren't meant for that. Um, a lot of people and a lot of... Um, like my parents' generation, think that the roads are just for cars. Um, and that, that like, hearing those kind of conversations are, like around the holiday time and everything like that, when I actually get to see my, my family and stuff, it, it kind of hurts because, like, I want to be on the road too. I want to have a direct route to school, like, to school when I was in university, or I want to have a direct route um, to work now, or anywhere, really, around the city. But trying to get people who are driving in the city to kind of realize that, oh, there is a different way that people can, can ride. And that's like this, this bicycle kind of shows it because you're going slow, you're enjoying this upright position. Yeah. That's basically like how I see it kind of affecting changes that there's just getting more people on the road and, and really enjoying their bicycle. The Plain Bicycle Project team is already noticing that there's a greater diversity in the types of people that are signing up to get a plain bike. I just got an email today from one of the one of the people who are who who's going to get a bike this round, and and um, she said that she suffered from some severe vision loss, and that she hasn't been on a bike for quite some time, and she she has been to Amsterdam and seen the bikes there, and how um, how anybody and everybody is riding the bikes there and so she has hope that this bike can help her and um to me like that kind of articulates a little bit about the change of of culture uh, for biking here is that um at this point you know we're giving people hope that they can still ride bikes that maybe felt like they couldn't and the, the more people who who feel like 
biking is is an easy and um, safe option for them, um, that then they will change their behavior. Yeah, we and I haven't I haven't done a tally yet, but like um, I was gonna look at this just to see, but uh, I was monitoring the emails yesterday, or the emails come in whenever there's somebody signed up to the to RSVs put to the to the distribution party. And it was like, and the names were like Kathy, Cindy, Aaron, Julie, like, like whatever, like 10 in a row were all women's names. Like those aren't real names, one of them. But, uh, then, so anyway, that, that I think is honestly like the fact that we, we're, we've helped create space where a different type of biking is like what people think of as biking. Like, I don't care what you do. It's like everything, it's all fun and great, any kind of bike. Um, but this one is like one of the ones that people don't think of immediately when they think of like, oh, my computer in Winnipeg. Right. And so anyways, it's, that's already starting to hopefully happen where, where that 70-30 split that's um, gender split in Winnipeg, um, maybe, maybe we'll make a little bit of dent in that because people might be like, okay, like that's the kind of bike I want. It's the one that's not going to screw up my skirt and I, like, I'm, you know, like I just want to. I spoke to Melissa and Chris about the change in lifestyle they have seen their children experience after moving from Canada to the Netherlands. One of the things that we knew uh, that really drove us to make this move from Vancouver to Delft was we knew we were going to be giving our kids more freedom and independence, but to really experience it uh, was something else. And within the first couple of weeks, our 10-year-old son was rolling to and from school by himself on his bike, uh, you know, same with our 12 year old daughter. Um, they were going into the city center to go shopping or meet up with friends or what have you. Um, and it, it's really changed their lives for the better. Um, and you know, again, we, we came from a place in Vancouver that's pretty good in a North American context for walking and cycling, but they still had to cross these busy four or six lane roads, uh, arterial roads that, um, that made us incredibly nervous as parents. And uh, there's none of that here in Delft. They, they rule the city, <laughs> the kids uh, at, at, on bikes. And it's really, really great um, that they don't have to take their lives in their own hands just across the street. Herbert also commented on how having your child on a bicycle can form an interesting and valuable bond that you wouldn't experience in a car. Mm. Yeah, something I didn't touch on is that, uh, 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 and that's also what I what I like about uh, the Dutch cycling. Uh, we also have our kids on the on the bicycles in the in the front seat, especially the front seat. That's great because then you can talk to your kids, you can overlook what they are seeing, so you have a really cool interaction with your child, and uh, that gives uh, such a nice uh, way of bonding and discovering the world uh, through the eyes of your kids. So that's really uh, cool to see your own neighborhood again uh, by the eyes of your children. So that's something that uh, uh, also the plane bicycles make possible. Yeah. I asked Chris and Melissa if they thought the plane bicycle project could start to shift the bike culture in North America. It's, it's tricky because it is so Winnipeg focused, mm-hmm. um, but it's a very good place to start. And um, I have an anecdote actually, when I was in Winnipeg with my uh, former coworkers last summer and Anders and, and the team from Plane Bicycle brought a bunch of the plane bikes with them for us to test ride at the CIP conference, um, at least three of my coworkers 
suddenly realized, oh my God, these bikes are awesome. They're so comfortable. I don't feel stressed out. I'm not like, it's just a lot of fun to ride. And it was a bit of a light bulb moment for them. And I think that that is going to be the way that we shift the conversation around cycling is people to have those light bulb moments. And if this is the way to get them to have it, then fantastic. And it would be great to see a project like this start to expand um, if possible, or even just start to shift the conversation with retailers to start to provide those bicycles for people in general at the retail level and make it so that they don't have to travel to the Netherlands and fill up a shipping container with bikes, like cheap bikes that are from a used shop. They can just now be available to people. It doesn't have to be this extra special trip. Um, but I think as with everything around cycling, a lot of it is just experiencing it and having that option, even if it is just in Winnipeg and then grows from there, uh, is the first step in a greater movement towards getting people on plane transport purposed bikes. I asked Herbert Tiemens if he thought that the plane bicycles in Winnipeg could make a significant impact on culture, even if our bicycle routes haven't been flushed out at this time. For sure. Um, you have a good infrastructure in the suburbs or around the suburbs. The park lanes, they are really good. The older uh, roads are also perfect. It's only a few, few roads in the city centre itself where you don't want to cycle at this moment. Portage, Maine, that's the, the, the horrible uh, junction, I remember. That's really, really bad. So um, if you improve a, a few parts of the city when you can cross these main roads, then it's perfect already. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just for, to find out which areas are okay. Well, most areas also downtown, they are okay. But um, there are, of course, the, 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 the lanes along the river and the rivers are really good. And the, 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 well, the older areas, they are perfect for cycling. So why does the Plain Bicycle team do this? It's a ton of work. And they're doing it without financial gain. One of the reasons is that they get to see the difference it makes in people's lives. They see people who haven't ridden a bicycle in many years, or have felt left out of cycling culture, making a bicycle a larger part of their everyday life. And that can be a great reward in itself. Ian Frank explains. I think one of the most sort of interesting elements of it has been, for me, has been seeing people who either haven't really ridden a bike in a long time or do, but really, you know, only on, you know, a couple warm weekends of the summer. Like, they, really, it's really not part of their life. Um, how quickly upon, uh, quickly after kind of getting one of these bikes or riding one of these bikes, they realize how, 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 how low the obstacles are to actually getting involved in it and actually incorporating it into your daily life. I think it's seen, everyone sort of looks at cycling in Winnipeg as this sort of extreme sport and all of a sudden you get on a really upright kind of utilitarian bicycle and you realize, actually it's like really easy for me to like throw my groceries on the front of this bike or to have someone hop on the back and give them a ride. And so it's sort of that, that um, watching people who I've known for many years, whether it be family or friends or friends of families or whatever it may be, um, rediscovering the kind of simple bliss of riding a bike. And so I think that's been um, really heartwarming and encouraging. And it's a kind of reminder about why we do it. I, I had a, um, a friend of mine 
girlfriend of mine from high school's mom was one of the well, got one of the bikes um, at the second round, and she came up to me afterwards, being like, "I've ridden a bike for you know decades, and it feels like I'm riding my bike for the first time." So that's pretty exciting. That's those sorts of things are really um, really exciting. Canada and the Netherlands have had a special relationship for a long time. May fifth, twenty twenty marked the 75th anniversary of Dutch Liberation Day, where Canada, along with other Allied forces, liberated the Netherlands from Nazi occupation during World War II. The tulips planted at our nation's capital in Ottawa each spring commemorate the Dutch royal family, sending Canada 100,000 tulip bulbs as a thank you for sheltering the Queen Juliana and her family during the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands. Anders alludes to being Canadian as a reason this project is likely possible, as he thanked the friends in the Netherlands who helped make this project a reality during his speech at the launch of Round 2. Herbert also speaks to this being a part of the reason helping Canadians was his pleasure. Martin, Jolson, Rood, um, and Herbert, uh, for, their, for their warm welcome, and the first three, they, they run the Fietspunt in Utrecht, and um, and I mentioned this before, but uh, uh, Canada and the Netherlands has a special relationship, and we are such a pain in the ass to them. And I'm sure that's the only reason we get in there. So I thought it's my turn now to do something for the Canadians because the Canadians they liberated us. So that was my my job that day to all to to prepare all those bicycles uh, to, that they could be shipped to to uh, Canada. It was a fantastic day. Part of the success of the Plain Bicycle Project comes from a group of people who have different backgrounds coming together for a common goal. The project has formed a diverse community of people who all want the same thing. They want the bicycle to be accepted as an accessible, everyday form of transportation in Canadian cities. Anders, Leanne and I um, all come at these things from fairly different perspectives um, and I think that and I would like to think that they would probably echo this sentiment is that there's been some I think part of the reason that it's been so successful is because we come from different sort of not even different perspectives I think we both we all have similar goals and we have similar kind of ambitions in it but our different skill sets are different sort of um, our different career path or all these different characteristics that mean that we kind of pull push and pull each other into some sort of good compromise around what it is and I think that it it's um, we continually try and kind of broaden our tent around that you know I think Dan and Jenny bring um, a, a wonderful element to it that was missing without them that Torn brings something that that we didn't have without them and I think it's that that kind of increasingly diverse perspectives that makes it um, as successful it is, but also as interesting as it is. So I think it's, um, it's, we're constantly, I don't think any of us really know where it's going because we all have slightly different ideas of where it's going and the kind of final outcome will be some negotiation of all of those things. So yeah. It's refreshing to do something that is as hard like it can be really hard work sometimes to do this in a weird way because it never really feels like work but then when you start explaining what you're doing to someone and they're like 
so you're just doing this for fun you know and they kind of look at you like you've lost your mind and it's that it's these things that make all the other stuff kind of worth it you know it's like these are the fun projects that that are like why it, it, it kind of reminds me why do i why am i building all these this whole skill set around this stuff unless i get to actually put it to work on things that you know matter beyond how i pay my rent so it's it's pretty pretty fun the Plain Bicycle Project has built meaning to an increasing net of city dwellers in the centre of Canada who just want to make their city a better place to live. They want people to understand cycling in a different way so that more people can have access to urban transportation and also so that they can increase the joy in their lives. Somehow, doing the hard work of travelling across the world to import and repair old bicycles has lightened the spirits of the Plain Bicycle team. Since I first recorded these interviews and experienced the consumer end of the Plain Bicycle project firsthand, the project has already seen growth. Because the round two shipment was larger than expected, more people on the waiting list were able to receive bikes shortly after the launch. Since recording, the Plain Bicycle Project team has returned to Utrecht and a third shipment of Plain Bicycles has just arrived in the midst of a global pandemic and worldwide bike boom we haven't seen the likes of since the 1970s. Next time on Plain Bicycle. There's a very quick shift happening. It's uh, almost seismic in nature. Um, as cities start reallocating space away from cars towards bicycles, all with the hope of making their road networks uh, function more efficiently and help people get from A to B as they come out of lockdown. I see the bicycle as a fantastic way for people to socialize and it's in fact been how we've been able to socialize with people here that we know, friends that we can meet up with for a ride on some quieter areas and quieter paths throughout the city. And so I think if we're going to look at a bike as a tool for socialization, the Oma Feats or the Upright Bike, City Bike is the way to go. Thank you for listening to Plain Bicycle. Plain Bicycle is an independently written, recorded, and produced podcast by myself, Aaron Riediger. You can follow me on Twitter, at Aaron Riediger. Follow at Plain Bicycle Podcast on Instagram for visuals to accompany this episode. Visit the Plain Bicycle Project on Twitter, at Plain Bicycle, Instagram, at Plain.Bicycle, or their website, PlainBicycle.org. Please spread the word by subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast. A key resource for this podcast was Building the Cycling City, the Dutch Blueprint for Urban Vitality by Melissa and Chris Brentlett. Please visit the episode post on Instagram for additional resources and thank yous. What we need is we just need, we need a we need a commercial on, on, on during the sound cut.